Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. All right, so I entitled this The Two... The two shall become one flesh, part one. So we're going to actually spend two parts in this. Uh, This week, we will be dealing with divorce. Next week, we'll be dealing with marriage. Um, And so we'll look at it in three parts. Uh, Jesus' question about divorce and uh, question about divorce in verses one through four. Jesus' answers about marriage in verses five through nine. And then Jesus answers the disciples in verses 10 through 12. Now, today's scripture is probably going to be sensitive to a lot of people. And so I'm asking you, as, as I dive into this, this is why Calvary Chapel, what we do is we do a verse-by-verse teaching. Meaning we don't skip scriptures because it's uncomfortable. Um, and, and that happens. So sometimes there's going to be things that we go over, because we were in chapter 9 last week, we finished chapter 9. And then as we dive into chapter 10 this week, we're dealing with divorce. Last week he was talking about sin, pluck out your eye, cut off your hand. It was a tough message. And then it's like the one-two punch. And all of this is coming from Jesus. And so it's something for us to remember as we dive into this. I'm not sure if anyone's been through divorce or, or maybe you're a child of divorce. I am. Uh, my mom and dad divorced when, when I was six. And we had this conversation with, uh, <laughs> I was talking to, to Pastor Joe last, uh, yesterday at prayer about this, and, and I was telling him, I was like, man, this is really a tough scripture because our culture redefines marriage. The culture does, but God's word doesn't change. Uh, it, it's, it, it never changes, and so God's biblical view on marriage and divorce is based upon his scripture. Not Mike's opinion. And so when we dive into this, I'm going to be going over this through the biblical view of Scripture, of divorce. And so, uh, you know, that's why we we stick to the Word of God. And and we we have to understand that God's design for marriage is unchanging. And, and, And it doesn't define, it's not defined by the culture, but it's, it's defined by His Word. Okay? And one of the things, that, and what's really crazy is when I was studying this, is the Romans during this time when Jesus is walking the earth, the Romans actually would divorce 20 to 25 times in a lifetime. Yeah. 20 to 25 times in a lifetime. Now the Jewish were, uh, you know, not that many, but they had an issue with it as well. And there were two, uh, predominantly two teachings that were being taught, one very liberal and one very conservative, uh, that was being taught at the time by the rabbis. Now, as we look at divorce today, we know that, that 50% of marriages end in divorce. 
And, and out of that, 34% of marriages that are Christian end in divorce. So we're not being a great example of it either. And, and so when we get into this, what we'll do is we'll look at it through, uh, through hearing it through uh, the words of Jesus. And so let's dive into it in verse 1 as Jesus questioned about divorce. It says, And then he arose from, the, from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. And multitudes gathered to him again. And he was accustomed. He taught them again. And so Jesus is used to having a crowd around. And so the crowd, whenever he would show up now from this point on, the crowd is going to be with him. Uh, they, whether it's to, to be healed or to have, some, uh, have a demon cast out or whether it's to hear the teaching of Jesus. Now some want to see the show. Some are hoping that he gets free bread, right? And, and so there's all different reasons why Jesus is, is being sought after. And it's the same reason for us in this world today. It's the same thing that happens is people will seek Jesus out for, uh, sometimes for all the wrong reasons. They just want to, you know, see, see what it's about, but they don't want to commit to it. And, and so uh, we'll see the crowd. But one of the things that we know for sure is that if the crowd is there, the enemy is going to be there as well. Uh, and and y'all need to understand that too about this concert. If the crowd is there, the enemy is going to try to show up. So when chaos starts to happen, because it will, uh, they lose power to the stadium. <laughs> uh, somebody forgot the propane or the charcoal, or you know stuff like that happens. Pray, stop what you're doing, and pray at that moment, and and give it over to the Lord. Um, you know, last night we were going through this, this change into this room again, and it was like, well, let's pray, you know, because at the end of the day, it's like it's already a tough message. Now you put us in a tough room with an axe, <laughs> axe throwing on the wall. So uh, we see in verse 2, it says, The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? Now, the, the one thing that they're trying to do, the Pharisees, is remember, they're not only trying to discredit him, but they want to kill him. Uh, but they're, they're testing him, which means to tempt him, to tempt him. And, and they're tempting the Lord. And, and we remember back in Mark chapter 8, verses 11 and 12, that happened uh, when the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, uh, seeking uh, from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in the spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no shine shall be given to this generation. And then we'll see in Mark chapter 12, verse 15, when we get to it, uh, that he's tested there as well. He says, Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knew, uh, but he knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. Now remember, who tested him at the very beginning before his ministry started? Satan. The same word that's used in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, and he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted, is the same word that's used here, testing. That's what it means in the Greek. He was tempted. And so we have him being tempted by Satan at the, uh, before his ministry started. And it says, and, and was the wild beast and the angels ministered to him. And now he's going to be tempted and tested by the Pharisees, by the religious. By the religious. Uh, that's the saddest thing, is when the religion 
takes over and and we are tempting and testing people we learned about it last week not to put stumbling blocks in front of people and and we need to be careful with that uh, sometimes we try to put our convictions or our our thoughts like you may you may be okay with having a beer or two i can't because i have a conviction i have a, I, I i grew up with a bunch of alcoholics but i can't put that conviction on you you see what I'm saying? So I, I, can't, I can't do that to you. Now, if you start getting drunk, then I got to say something. Because I got to say, hey, this is an issue. <laughs> but I mean, I, at the end of the day, we need to remember that, that we need to be careful not to tempt or test, to test the people that we have in our lives, especially through religion. Um, that we see a lot of that that happens, unfortunately. And so what's crazy is this... this this actual, um, what we're, we're dealing with in the, as we talk about divorce, this was actually a hot, uh, a hot button topic at this time as well. And so they, they were dealing with this in, a, in, in their culture as well, just like we deal with it today. So there's nothing new under the sun. They, they were struggling with the fact that, that what was the, the cultural understanding? Is divorce permitted or not? And they, they need to, you know, they were trying to understand, well, when can we divorce? But they were testing him and giving him a question that's going to be a loophole, something that they know he can't answer, and that's why they're tempting him. But at the same time, one of the things we need to remember is what would Satan want to destroy more than anything? A marriage. It's a covenant with God. It's a covenant with God. And, 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 and what, are, what is the church? The bride. And, and so, from the very beginning, Satan has been trying to destroy marriages. And, and why do marriages get destroyed? Sin. Sin entered the world. That's what happens. And, and one of the things that we see is through, uh, through that, you see marriages and families uh, that get destroyed in the process. And so... Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about just how quickly people get divorced today, um, and and you know, over things that are are crazy. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of where it is. Is you'll have people that will divorce because we don't get along. We we it was a mistake, right? They uh, we we just end it. And and so what we're gonna see as we dive into this, we're gonna see the. Uh, the biblical view of, of divorce. And, and it says in verse 3, And the Pharisees came up to him, tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now at the time, he's, they're, they're basing this on Deuteronomy 24.1. It says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanliness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce but puts... Uh, puts it in her hand and sends her out of the house. Now we'll come back to that word uncleanliness because that's the thing that got argued over. Some of y'all may have decency, undecency in there. Uh, and so there were two school of thoughts during the time. So they would get hung up on that, that verse. She finds no favor in the eyes because he has found some uncleanliness in her. So you had two different rabbis. Uh, Shema and, and Hillel and, and the, 
the liberal rabbi would would loosely take the scripture and say, well, you can divorce her if you don't like the way she cooks. You, maybe there's something that she did that she looked the wrong way or I just didn't like the way that she, she, she was looking at that other person so we can divorce. Uh, we're just not getting along so we can divorce. And so they, they were writing certificates of divorce based upon his, his liberal thoughts on divorce but then you had rabbi shema and and he was the first school of thought and his was if if she commits an adultery uncleanliness that's what his was based on very conservative so you could permit uh, a divorce if uh, adultery had been committed but remember what was the penalty for someone who committed adultery they would be stoned to death right and so you can imagine out of, the, out of the two, which was the least popular? The conservative one, right? Same with today. Uh, and so, you know, we see that, that uh, our culture today, we, we see excuses that are made all the time. And, and, and really, it's, it's the intent of the heart. And, and that's what Jesus will get into as we dive a little deeper. And, and, and we need to remember that even in our own marriages, our hearts are being measured and and uh it's it's our hearts it's not when we're married it's not about your emotions and feelings and that's gonna and that goes with serving god <laughs> it's not about your emotions and feelings you're here to serve the lord that's what we that's what we do right but same thing in our marriage like i i can't get wrapped up in my emotions and feelings because if i go by my emotions and feelings my heart's going to do what she does something that, that upsets me, I'm going to clap back because I'm in my emotions and feelings. And remember now in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, it says, But I say to you that for every idle word man may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. See, our standard is not man's standard, right? It's God's standard. Uh, we, we go by what, what the Lord says divorce is. And so when we address the issue, it deals with the heart, it deals with the will of God. And, and we deal with His Word. And see, they're looking for some kind of loophole. They're looking for an answer that they can trap Jesus in so they can say, look, He went against the law of Moses. But what does Jesus do? He draws them back to the Word of God. And verse 3, he says, But he answered and said to him, What did Moses command you? And so Jesus draws them back to the Word of God, but he not only draws the Pharisees back to the Word of God, who's listening? The crowd is. So he's showing them, hey, go back to Deuteronomy. What does Deuteronomy say? He's taking them back to the Word of God. So he takes them right back to God's Word. I mean, you have the authority, the Lord here, uh, Jesus uh, is going to tell them exactly what it means. And, and he's going to let them know that y'all, what is the meaning and the context of this scripture. And he's going to expose the interpretation of all the rabbis that they had misinterpreted it. And verse 4 said, they said that Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and, and, and to dismiss her. Now that comes back to that word, uh, some uncleanliness. Now, some translations have indecency. Now, that word in the Hebrew literally means nakedness, uh, but not in the physical sense. 
It can mean just shameful. You're shameful of your spouse. Divorce her. That was the liberal view. There's something that she did. I'm shameful of it. I'm, I, we can no longer be together. I need that certificate of divorce. That's how easy they were given it. And that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says uncleanliness, which is nakedness, which is adultery. And they, they had taken the word of God and twisted it. And, and unfortunately, we see that today. We see it today. See, what happens is the Pharisees extended and expanded on the context of Scripture when they shouldn't have. Man just doesn't, doesn't like his wife. Well, I'm shameful of her. I need to divorce her. And they would go get that certificate. And, and you can read about that in, in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 13 through 22. That whole chapter deals with sexual morality. And it deals with marriage. And it tells you what happens to someone who commits adultery back then. They would take them out and they would stone them both to death. Right? Remember when the Pharisees caught the lady with Jesus, right? They were ready to stone her to death. Where was the ban at? The lady, they took her out. But the man, they, he wasn't there to be stoned to death. He told them he who was without sin cast the first stone. And they all dropped the stones. See, the Pharisees were advocating divorce because they misinterpreted and misapplied God's word. And now we'll see Jesus' answer about marriage. And this is probably where we're going to spend most of our time here in verses 5 and 6. And, and Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. It's your heart. You got a heart issue. And God's, God's gift of marriage was never designed to be divorce. But your hardness of heart is why. See, what happens is our hearts begin to get hard for the things of God. And, and hearts, we harden on, uh, on the things that our spouse is doing. And then our heart is deceitfully wicked. In Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitfully, above all things, des desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our hearts lie to us. That's why your feelings and your emotions, you need to go to God's word. You need to go to prayer and say, Lord, what is the will that you're, what is going on here? And we'll talk about, uh, we're going to get into some things that are going to get a little uncomfortable today. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that. And, and, but we need to remember that our emotions can lead us in a, in a path that can be devastating at times. And we need to be careful of that. And Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but it, its end is the way of death. Ecclesiastes uh, verses 9 and 3 says, This is evil in all that is done under the sun, that one thing happens to all. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live after and that, that, and that they go uh, to the dead. It's a human heart. And, and that's why we need to be redeemed by Christ. We need, the, we need Jesus. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 says, For if your heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And then we remember back in Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23, 
Uh, and, and this is Jesus speaking. And he said, what comes out of the man that defiles a man from within, out of the heart of man proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, and all, all these evil things come from within and defile a man. It's the heart. It's the things that we allow in. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 4, it says, For a man will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The heart is hard. When the heart is hard, it creates death in a relationship because it creates a divide. That's what happens is you start having a divide that happen. And, and you may be here because you were divorced or like my mom and dad, when they divorced, you know, it, at the end of the day, I knew it was sin and I was only six years old. My dad left on a Friday. My stepfather, when I woke up on Saturday morning was in my house. In his shorts with no shirt on. Sin. It was revealed to a six-year-old. I wasn't even walking with the Lord. I knew it was wrong. And that's what happens is a hard heart. I can still remember my mother going over to my Aunt Pat and them and that man being there. Sin. And, and so it's, it's the hard heart. My dad started drinking alcohol. Became an alcoholic. And, and so that divide happens and allows sin in both hearts. And in and, and, and that case... In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, it says, For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it, said, uh, while it is said, Today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, it says, This I say, Therefore in testifying the Lord that you shall no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, and the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from life of God because of ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to the work of all uncleanliness with, and, uh, with greediness. When I read that, one of the things that's really disheartening when you read that is that the conscience is dead. That's what, when you continue to go to sin, the conscience gets darkened. You don't listen to the Holy Spirit no more. And you just go for it. And that's why people who have struggled uh, with pornography end up doing things they thought they would never do. Because their conscience gets seared. And they think, well, you know, it's not that bad. And they commit the sin. Me and my wife, we counseled a, a young couple early on when we were in our faith. And sadly, the young man was addicted to pornography. 
And from that, he started messing around with the Tinder app and started stepping out on his wife. And so we, we spent time with them, counseling them, got them to uh, one of those things like Blazing Grace or one of those things where they actually help you get uh, through counseling, Christian counseling, to overcome the addiction of pornography because it is that. Um, and, and, so, and to give him the tools to try to walk away from it. Uh, unfortunately, that young man, and, and sad because the wife was willing to, to stay in and forgive and to hopefully save the marriage because they had two little ones. And he went right back to that tender app. And that, that marriage ended in divorce. His heart and his mind, his, his mind, his conscience was seared. Seared. He gave up his kids for the sin, for sexual morality. It was a beautiful young family, too. Now, it's easy for me to throw that verse at somebody, but I can't do that to people. When we look at Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, and I'm sure y'all have heard this before, but when somebody's going through a crisis of their marriage, the last thing they need to hear is this, is, is for the, Lo the Lord our God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Christians throw that in people's faces all the time. How about just pray with them, counsel them, love on them, show them grace, show them mercy. Yes, God does not want you to divorce. It's in Malachi 3.16. But I'll see people throw that like they're throwing stones at people. It's the Word of God, and I understand that, but it's like, where's the grace at? When somebody's going through something, where's the grace at? Where's the love at? Where's the mercy at? Yeah, we don't want you to divorce. God has something in there. You can read Malachi 3.16 in your own time. Let God speak to them. But I hear that all the time when people will throw that out. And if you're struggling in your marriage, that's the last thing you want to, man, Lord, have mercy. You know, does anybody else want to hit me with something, right? And so we need to, and especially if I throw that to somebody whose mind is darkened and their conscience is seared, do you think that's going to do anything? No. No. We need, we need to understand, like, at the end of the day, as a church, we're here uh, to counsel. We're here to help. We're not here to judge. You're talking to two people that marriage should have ended at 22 years. I committed adultery before Christ. I didn't know the Lord yet. And almost destroyed my marriage. And, and so I'm sitting here telling you, at the end of the day, the thing... That saved my marriage is she, she walked out. She got fed up. And you know what it reminded me of? That six-year-old kid. And the pain that I went through my whole life. And it's still pain now today. See, divorce is, is, is the funny thing is, is people think that divorce doesn't affect once we separate, we're done. No, you have kids. There's graduations, there's weddings, you come together for those things. My mom and dad still, oh Lord have mercy, oil and vinegar, still. 
But they come together for the for the weddings and the graduations. They come together for the uh, for the grandkids. They've been able to put that aside and try to love on us. And and but it, 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 unfortunately, look, you know, at the end of the day, it's it impacts everybody. There was this little girl that wrote this. Uh, poem and won the contest actually in New Jersey for the state of New Jersey and she wrote this poem called The Monster and 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 the age group is between 9 and 13 but this is what she wrote The Monster The Monster is here The Monster is there The Monster is just everywhere It's in my milk in my tea doesn't it ever think of me mom's here dad's there and I'm just not anywhere how can I say this without any force the monster is called divorce that was written by a child it, divorce is it, it, unfortunately it happens and, uh, and like I said, you, you, you go through setbacks, you go through things that, that happen in your marriage, and, and, and maybe you've remarried, and that's fine. You know, what I would tell you to do is stick in this marriage, right? Do the things that God's calling you to do in this marriage. Because it tells us in Scripture, for good or bad times, or, you know, or, or we have setbacks, the only thing that separates me and my wife is death. In Romans chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, it says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, the law that has dominion over man and, and as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if, if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. That's why that verse is in there, when, or when, that, when you get married, till death do you part. It was in Scripture. Till death do you part. And so for us, in our marriage, one of the things that, and I can tell you, if you're struggling in a marriage, you're dealing with an unfaithful spouse, uh, whatever the, the issue is, God can save the marriage. I'm proof of that. I'm proof of that. I remember just uh, when I came to know the Lord, we started going to church, and and I just was like... I need Christ. And, and I gave my life to the Lord, and the one thing I, I asked, I said, Lord, I don't have no reason or no business to ask you anything, but don't let my marriage end up in divorce. Save my marriage. Now, was it a... No. It was a year. It took, we had 22 years of mess. We've been married 36 years this year. We've known each other since I was 16. She was 17. Since high school. She knows me better than my mom and dad do. And, and, and God saved the marriage. And, and at the end of the day, we, were, we, were, we went into Christian counseling. Um, and, and it took about a year. And then one by one, out of all five of our kids, they're all grown now. Um, all five of our kids ended up coming to know the Lord as well. Now, did she have biblical reason to divorce me? Yes. 
I committed adultery. She could have left and it would have been okay. But what is, because this is the question that pastors get all the time. When can I biblically file for divorce? We get that all the time. Can I, can I divorce my husband or divorce my wife? Jesus gives us two verses in Matthew. And this is Jesus speaking. So uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 32 says, But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual morality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. And then again in Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, And he said to you, whoever divorces his wife accepts, except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. So, one reason is adultery. Biblical grounds for divorce. If you, your, your spouse commits adultery, you can walk away from it. Biblically. Do we want you to? No, because I'm proof that it can be saved. It takes a lot of forgiveness on, on, on her part. And, because it, I hurt her. That, but see, that is the only way I can look at that and go, by the grace of God. That God could soften a heart that much to forgive. And, and, and anybody who's going through uh, any kind of, of where someone commits adultery, it's, it's not going to be an overnight fix. But I love that verse where it says, but God. Because God can save it. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, And be kind to one another, intended hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has any complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And the Apostle Paul gives us the other reason in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 7. And, and this one gets messed with a lot too um, because it's taken out of context of Scripture. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, it says, Now to the married, I command you, I command yet not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not divorced his wife. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to, uh, to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother and sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So the other reason this happens or can't happen is through, uh, through abandonment. It's very important. Of an unbeliever. That's what it says in Scripture. An unbeliever. Abandonment is abandonment. But it has to be an unbeliever. That's, that's biblical divorce. Those two. 
And we'll get into more of this next week as we, we dive into that last part from verses 10 to 12. But it, it's important for us to understand that there, there's going to be arguments that happen over, you know, what, even back in Ezra 10 when, when they had all married, uh, back in verses 9 to 12, they married uh, pagan wives. And Ezra demanded them to, to, to separate from them. And people will use that scripture to go, well, Ezra said they could divorce. They separated. But that didn't come from God. That came from who? Ezra. He was never given that from God. So you got to go by what the context of scripture says. And so people will argue that all the time. And, and we have to be careful with that. And so for us as a pastor, because you're going, wait a minute. Adultery and unabandoned believer. Right? What if we're not getting along? That's not biblical reasons for divorce. But see, that's what happens is people will, again, it's what the hard heart. People get upset, people sin, and they go, you know what, I'm done with this, I'm done with you. Now, when I, when I think about sexual morality, I think sexual morality really deals with pornography as well. Because you're lusting after something. That's a whole other subject. And I got little ones here, so I won't go deep into that. <laughs> um, but one of the things that, and they're not little, they're teenagers, I'm sorry. One of the things I do want to say is you're probably thinking, what about physical abuse? It's not in here. And there's been two cases that, that we know recently um, that we've seen. And one of them was Pastor Saeed, the one that was uh, in prison in, in uh, Iran. He actually physically abused his wife. Yeah, see, I mean, they didn't really want to let that to go out. And so they try to keep it. And this is where the church has to be very careful. When it comes to physical abuse, you know, it, it's sad because, you know, they, they're, even in that case, they were told to get counseling um, and to stay in the marriage. And, and one of the things that we were looking at this past week is, is um, and I'm not going to name the pastor, but it, it's a big church. Y'all can look it up when you get home. It's a big church in California. And, and uh, it's, it's, it went out everywhere this week. The lady waited for the information to come out because she didn't want it to come out while her kids were minors. The church, and this is where the church has to be very careful, and, and, and what was done is they used 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. The wife was being physically abused, and the children were being sexually abused and physically abused. They didn't know about the sexual abuse until the cops got involved. But the cops didn't get involved until the wife called because the church never called. Now, very, very important thing, and I know these are very tough subjects on Sunday. This is not what you came to hear, right? But it's important for you to understand how we, we approach it. If, if you come to me and you've been physically abused or your children have been physically abused, first phone call is to the police. By law of Texas, I have to. 
Now I will counsel you all day long and help you and be there for you. The, the whole road, me and my wife, we'll be there for you. What happened in that church in California is they threw out 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. It says, To, to the married I give this charge, not, to, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she, if she does, she should remain unmarried or be reconciled, with her, uh, reconciled to her husband. The husband should not divorce his wife. The church got upset because she filed charges, not charges, but a restraining order to keep the husband away from her. Sad part is, is the man was serving in the church. And this is where the problem comes. It's because he's serving in the church. I think they took his word over hers. They never called the police. They got Christian counseling for both of them, which is absolutely wrong. First thing that needs to happen is she or he, because women can't abuse. Okay? <laughs> um, that person needs counseling by themselves first. And then that other person, whatever charges, whatever's going to happen, needs to happen. And if that person wants to be repentive and they want to uh, they, they want to seek counseling, fine. Sad part is, is the church said you got to go through counseling. Um, and what was worse is she was told that you need to suffer for Jesus and, and, and be that model for your children as David was abused. And, and, and so David, David abused Eileen through the state and they're telling her in order for her to you're being a representative of Jesus and suffering for her. Now, does that that we all are going? That's wrong. We all know that's wrong, right? We all know that's wrong. The reason this all came out, this all happened back in 2001. It came out this week because his parole was this past week. This man serving 21 years to life because the LAPD get, did get involved because there was sexual abuse. Turns out there was other kids. Not just those. Man serving 21 years to life. And he had his parole. And this is what the parole board said that David is a sadistic predator who weaponized religion. And he's running a, a prison ministry in jail, and the church is still helping him. Do you see why people get upset with the church? Now, I'm not doing that to beat up the body of Christ, but I'm doing this to try to make sure that we understand what we do here at Calvary Chapel Divine. If you're physically abused, your kids are physically abused, if we think that there's any kind of sexual abuse going on, the police are being called immediately. A report will be filed. And we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll be there for you for counseling. We'll be there for you for, um, you know, as you go, go through the process of this. 
And hopefully that person would get counseling as well. Hopefully they would have a un, uh, you know, be repentant because David is unrepentive. The guy that did this is unrepentive. He has yet to repent of this. Because he don't think he did anything wrong. She divorced him. Here's the fun part. Is it biblical grounds for divorce? It's not. It's not. It's not in the Bible. But, so if somebody comes and asks me and I tell you, well, let's look at the Word of God. It's not in the Word of God. Jesus only gave the two, the adultery, and Paul only gave the one. Right? But one of the things that I love, I was listening to, is they were talking about the showbread and how David knowingly was being chased uh, and and was being hunted down to be killed and needed food. And what did he do? He ate the Lord's showbread. God's showbread. And there was mercy in and Because, I mean, he should have been struck down. But there was mercy in that. I, I, I believe in, in these cases that God provides mercy and grace and love. If Even if the person who did the abuse is repentive, has seek counseling and gotten help. And I'm talking Christian counseling. I'm not talking about all the other stuff. But I'm talking about Christian counseling. And, 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 and she says, I don't want to take him back. I understand. I, I get it. I can't, make the mar- I can't make them stay in their marriage. This is why it comes back to what? The hardness of heart. Sin drew that person to do that stuff. And, and so it, these are very tough subjects as we dive into these things. And, and that's why, you know, when we, when we look at divorce, we have to look at it through the lens of Scripture. Right? But we also have to remember we live in the age of grace. And, and Jesus died on the cross. And, and I, man, at the end of the day, I, when I read that story, I completely understood why that wife divorced that, that, the husband. As a father. As a father. And so, you know, when we, when we look at these things as a pastor, I have to look at it through the lens of Scripture. So when I tell you it's not in there, it's not in there. It's not. And we just, we have to pray for grace and love and mercy. And, and, and we'll get into the rest of this next week because we just started opening the door. Because next week we get to deal with the second part of verse 6 where we deal with, uh, or verse 7 actually, we deal with, for this, this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let no man separate. And then we also deal with the very beginning in verse 6, but the beginning of the creation God made them male and female. So next week, we have to talk about gender. We have to talk about marriage. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's a tough piece of Scripture because this goes, what we're dealing with is we're going by what God's Word says and not what the culture says. Right? Because I think there's all these different, I, my pronoun is whatever, whatever. But God, Jesus gives you two pronouns, male and female. That's it. And so we got to get into all of that next week. 
Now, I know this week was hard. Next week we'll be dealing with marriage. As we deal with marriage, there were three things that God had given me when we deal with it. Um, marriage is our relationship with the Lord has to be primary. If you want to you you have your marriage be successful and, and be thriving and be something that people, other people want, like why is your marriage like that? It's because both people are seeking the Lord first. They're seeking the Lord first. They're putting that as the priority in their life, but then they're not just seeking the Lord for their personal relationship. They're also doing it within their marriage. And as they, as they seek the Lord and they do it within the marriage, it draws them closer together. That's why it says that you, know, that you can't tear it apart to become one flesh. And then the other thing is, is you know, when we think about marriage, we, we think about the, um, the, just the, the communication. What destroys a marriage quicker than anything? Communication. When you don't communicate, you don't talk to each other. That, that destroys a marriage quicker than anything. And the, the last thing is intimacy. I love that because I see somebody actually holding their hand's wife. It makes me happy because it's like that's the kind of stuff we're supposed to be doing. Right? Is, is giving hugs. Holding hands. Uh, you know, and we'll talk about that all next week. We guys, we'll deal with marriage next week. We want to talk about what it looks like to, to see a godly marriage. Because we don't see a lot of those. Right? And as a church, that's something that we want. Because... The marriage affects everything. It affects the family. It affect, affects the schools. It affects the community. Because I can remember, you know, being a bad kid in school, acting out. Mad because my parents weren't together. It affects everything. And so, you know, and, and that's one of the things that we see that's really hard is that we see, we see uh, just think about all the fatherless this, you know, you realize this is actually, out of all the generations, this generation, uh, they, this generation is known for having no fathers. That's what they're known for. They're, the, they're the, the least amount of fathers in the home in this generation. They need their fathers. They need their grandfathers. They need, and guess what? If, if, if dad is acting out, then T.O. needs to step up and be that for their nephew, right? Or the grandfather. God puts people in our path. There are so many kids that, that, that need, to be, uh, need to know the love of Christ. And that's, that's what the whole concert's about, is to reach this generation. And you go, man, that's not my type of music. I like it, but it's, I mean, I, I get it and all. <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, it's to, it's to reach this generation. And they, they need people to mentor them. They need people to disciple them. And so that's what we pray for. Um, if you need prayer for anything, <laughs> if this was a little hard, I'm sorry. Like I said, it's, it's a very difficult piece of Scripture. It deals with some heavy things, um, and and so next week we'll we'll finish the rest of it, and uh, you know, it, it, uh, hopefully I don't I always 
don't bring tomatoes or eggs next week when we come. So, yeah, no, but let's pray. Let's go ahead and close it out in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We do pray for our hearts, Lord. We pray if there's any hardness that's on our hearts this morning, uh, that you would help us with that. We pray if we were arguing in the parking lot before we came here. Because that happens sometimes. I'm talking to people where that's happened. They're on their way to church and the enemy comes in and tries to steal, kill, and destroy. And they start arguing about stuff. And uh, yeah, Lord, we, we just pray for soft hearts. We pray for grace. We pray for mercy. We pray for your love. We pray also, Lord, just for uh, those of us that um, I know my mom's remarried. Uh, my dad remarried as well. And, and just pray for, um, you know, for just for them to, um, for that grace and that mercy and that love, especially for my mom and her marriage. And and, um, and just pray that uh, one of the things that's so different about this marriage is she's actually uh, following the Lord and, and, um, and, and you see it in the, in the relationship that she has. And I just pray for that mercy and grace and that forgiveness. And, and Lord, we pray that for each one of us, Lord. As we come before you, we, we, we all have something that we probably have to turn over to you, something that maybe has gotten hard in our hearts, and we just ask, Lord, that you would help soften that area and, and help us uh, to, uh, to, to seek forgiveness. And, and uh, Lord, just pour your grace upon us. I thank you so much for, for each person here. I thank you for them taking time out to be here on a Sunday in this goofy little room. And, uh, and to hear your word, Lord. Uh, we do pray and we ask, Father God, just for, uh, uh, just for your, your peace, your mercy, and uh, help us be with you throughout the day, Lord. And we thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.